Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Go Team Video, the podcast where the AMP and video team watch a movie and then we talk about it along with everything else that's going on. I'm Michael Sadler. I'm joined today by Abby Johnson and Daly Singleton. This is episode 47. And uh, we're talking about Kill Bill Volume 1. What brought us so, to this? What, how Abby, did we Abby arrive at this point? It. What made you think of uh, what popped Kill Bill into your head, Abby? wanting to watch. I Well, I thought about suggesting the movie Revenge. Mm. And um, I, so I guess I was just like wanting to watch a revenge movie. And I would love to do revenge maybe at a later date. But I feel like um, revenge reminded me a lot of Kill Bill. So I think it'll be interesting to watch, you know, the Kill Bill movies. And then, you know, at a later date, doesn't have to be anytime soon. Would love to make y'all watch Revenge. Cool. I'm down. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So, yeah. I think I just wanted something kind of bloody and, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I was feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if you tuned in to listen to us talk about Kill Bill, then uh, just letting you know up front, it's going to be divided into two episodes for each of the volumes. So tonight we'll talk about Kill Bill Volume 1, and then next week we will talk about Kill Bill Volume 2. And then we're into some spooky territory with all the Halloween movies we got to pick out. So it's yeah. very scary. I haven't picked one yet. Yeah, I guess we're going to... Yeah, we, we can go ahead and say that we're going to try and fill out October with a bunch of scary movies. Yes, uh, we're just going to pick a horror film that we like and we're going to have a guest on to talk about a horror film they like. So just keep uh, keep a lookout for that. And in the meantime, let's get into Kill Bill Volume 1 uh, and our first impressions of it. Um, <laughs> I can go. Yeah, you cool. picked uh, it. Yeah, you picked it. Let's hear, yeah, let's hear your first impressions. I, mean, I picked it. You know, I, I like revenge movies a lot. Um, this one, it is like, obviously there's a lot of killing in it. Um, you know, not, I, I don't know, but it, it's like, it's like kind of like funny and not gory. They like make all the blood and like gushing and like, you know, all the gross stuff kind of really eccentric and dramatic and like i realized that the first time i watched it i was like this is gonna be kind of weird and i like it and i you know i feel like uh i you know don't always love quentin tarantino or the movies he makes but if i had to pick a favorite Tarantino movie, I would definitely pick Kill Bill. Um, I thought, you know, when I saw this for the first time, I thought it was like pretty sick and, you know, really made me want to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. Um, I thought it was like a little like long, like some parts of it felt like really long and like, you know, I guess it's like only like part one of this like story you know but uh i don't know i thought it was like pretty fun 
you know, definitely like over the top, but for sure. Fun. What do y'all think? Um, I had the pleasure. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's see. No, you you go ahead, Michael. You already started. You already had something in your mind. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing it in the theater when it came out. Uh, oh, that's awesome. And I had just seen Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Okay. And I think I'd watched Jackie Brown too. Um, and I was so stoked. I was like a big fan of his at the time. And I just remember going to see it and yeah, it's really cartoony. Like all the, all the blood is like a fountain of blood and yeah, it's just this very exaggerated. What's up? <laughs> and there's also like there's, an yeah, animated, there's animated section. Yeah, there's anime <laughs> in, in this, yeah, an entire animated section. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that really sets the tone. That animated piece sets the tone for a lot of the film too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it was you know quirky and fun and action packed and um, and weird. And I remember feeling after seeing the first one, I was like, "Holy shit! Like, you're just gonna leave me here? Like, yeah, <laughs> I had to wait, you know, all this time to see the next one." Um, but that was a great anticipation, you know, for, for volume two at the time. Uh, but I, yeah, I really liked it. It was like super uh, unique and the throwback thing hadn't really been done quite as well before. And uh, yeah, it's a little, it's, you know, it's, it's a long, it's an epic. So it's long. That's yeah. how I feel about the, the link. Yeah. Yeah. What about you daily? I, pretty sure i saw this in theaters i know i saw the second one in theaters i was really i was like i was exactly probably 10 years old right around 10 years old when i saw this for the first time and uh i mean i when when you're that young you just you what you take away from it is like you know the 30 minute long fight scene in the club you know with the band playing and like that's what you remember when you're that young you don't really think about how sad and tragic this tale is right and and so i really focused on that now and like a at my adult first impression that's kind of like i was like well yeah this movie's really fucking sad and like tragic yeah you know? yeah. yeah and um and just like i think what holds up the best about this movie after 19 years is like the is uma thurman's performance yeah you know? absolutely and and all, I mean, honestly, uh, th- uh, like everyone, the performances are, are what's so incredible about this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I it, it was so formative for me because it, you, I'd never seen anything like it when I was that young, you know. So I, I fell in love with Tarantino. I think this was the first Tarantino movie I saw. Um, and it's like Tarantino's the reason why I wanted to become a filmmaker and make, you know, visual art, you know, and I, you know, feel, I'll feel pretty differently about Tarantino these days, you know, um, in terms of like the, 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 how much accolades he gets and not, I think he just, he probably could use it with a bit more criticism. He kind of just like, people are just so in on his shit and it's like his voice kind of ekes through everything and it's kind of what i'm starting to see with his movies is like you, you sometimes when the characters are talking it's just like oh this is just tarantino talking 
And I oh, think that's sure. like one of the flaws of his movies that I'm starting to see as an adult and having experienced other movies. Because I think if you hadn't, if you don't have a, a relationship with cinema yet and you see this movie and this movie is, is such referential material, you know what I mean? And, and all of Tarantino's mm-hmm. movies are just, if you don't know the language of film and the history of film, they seem super like unique and, and impressive, but once you've seen other movies and like what this movie is and all his movies are kind of like inspired by, it's like, he's kind of just remixing stuff, you know, that's like why his movies are cool. And they're told out of, out of order. You know what I mean? A lot of his movies, this one, yeah, he's like remixing cinema, you know, and yeah. that's cool. Like movies fucking rad. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Kill Bill is cool as fuck. You know what I mean? It's got aesthetics yeah. out the fucking it's got style for days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I want to ask y'all before we get into the movie is like, how do you think this movie like holds up 19 years later? You know, this is, it's almost 20 years old at this point. I think it holds up really well. I mean, you know, that, that thing you're talking about that he does, nobody else can do that because he's uh, encyclopedic about film and, and uses those, those influences very well. You know, it isn't Mm -hmm. just like a mash no, so they're no. all there for for a purpose, and, and yeah, and they're used for storytelling purposes. You yeah. know, um, and I think that uh, you know, I think it holds up pretty well. The action's great. The all the yeah. all the the fighting and everything. The choreography is all really top notch. The aesthetics are cool. Still, you know, you dude see loves, her. Mass piss says, "Dude loves feet." <laughs> And that's not even yeah. like like I'm over the feet thing. Like I, I I I could give a fuck about him having a foot fetish. It's more about how he abuses his actors repeatedly in almost every yeah. production he's done. It kind of turns me yeah. off from Tarantino. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like also he just has like a formula kind of for everything he does, which is like fine. Like you yeah. know a lot of a lot of people do. Like Hitchcock did. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are kind of certain things you could look for in like pretty much every film he made. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. I think he's a good storyteller, but like, um, I don't know. Just like knowing more about him personally made me dislike him. And, you know, I think seeing so many of his films, like, you know, he obviously has like a certain style to, to everything he does. But I do just like, kind of like what Daly said, I do just like, feel like Tarantino creeping through the actors and the characters more than I would like to like but that's just kind of that's kind of it like I feel like just knowing more about him and like really absorbing more of his content made me care a little bit less and just like I don't know. I, I, I had to like study him in college and like write essays about him and just really after dissecting him I'm just like why is he like such? I mean, I I also understand why, but like I don't know why. I don't know. It's just like a lot of his shit seems kind of broy to me. Yeah, yeah, no, like, totally. And he's able. You know, he he like was able to bring uh this like elevated thing to like popcorn cinema. You know what I mean? To yeah, a wide street, sure. a mainstream audience. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you guys are saying. I, I don't 
necessarily disagree with it. But that's one of the things that I like about his writing is that, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of uh, unique in that way. Nobody else's uh, voice comes through the writing quite like that in, in any other film. And it does make it less subjective or makes it more subjective than objective because you're not getting pure characters necessarily. You're getting them through the, through the, uh, the colander of Tarantino. Yeah. Um, and I can see that being definitely a, a detriment to just them being films and characters unto themselves. But I do like, it, you know, over the course of his career, uh writing like strong female characters um and just like re really doing quite a lot of different things that uh that are challenging uh as a filmmaker and as a writer that you know uh revisionist history is kind of was a thing for a minute that was interesting an interesting approach to telling these stories and you know killing Hitler and winning world war two. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a gravitas to the way that he does things that I enjoy, but I do totally. get that it's, it is like, you have to really like, uh, his style and his voice to, to, uh, to kind of weather all of that because it is so much him that it is, that could be very annoying. Yeah, and it's just like he, you know, he makes all these strong female characters and he's kind of lauded for that. And it, but at the same time, he doesn't respect their like boundaries and opinions on set. And that's like been, it's happened uh, in multiple, in almost every one of his movies, you know. And uh, so it's like hard to put those two things together in my mind. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah I think it's I, more yeah. exploitive than anything else honestly mm -hmm. but, but that's what he's drawing on though that's like what that is like one of the biggest inspirations for tarantino's movies are exploitation films from the 70s for sure. so it's like for that's sure. what he's doing and it's not like that's like he's not trying to hide that you know what i mean yeah but yeah i knew this was gonna be in uh something that i was going to <laughs> Uh, pick apart because I've been kind of tossing this in my head for a while, Tarantino, but because he was so important to me for so long, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I I can't get behind his uh, demeanor and his his like the way he treats people. I think that's that's disgusting. Um, as far as what comes out of that, I don't like. I don't know that it's worth it, but. It is, uh, I don't know. It has, it has its place, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Kubrick um, did the same shit. You know what I mean? It's not like right. Tarantino's yeah. the first one to do it. Yeah, uh, there's many, many more. Yeah. That, many, many more. Well, we've talked about this before, you know, there's yeah. like lots of ways to uh, get performances out of your actors. And I think that abuses like that are never okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's this um, he's on a he's on like a late night talk show in this one clip and it's like him and there's like another celebrity guest on the couch next to him, you know, and he's talking about like he's like, yeah, just like like when you actually get in there and like hurt the actors, like choke the actors and you they're actually getting choked, you see like 
such a more real reaction. And he was like stoked, like he's saying all this and like stoked about it. <laughs> like uh, it's wild. Yeah, it's he's he's un, I think he's a little unhinged, but I don't think that's like a secret or anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But hey, you know, I, I think Uma Thurman, she created this character with uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know. Like she is a huge part of the inception of this, you know, right? Which I think that's why it. I think I agree with Abby. It, this has become kind of my new, my favorite Tarantino movie as I've gotten older. Is is Kill Bill because I think it is super watchable. Like it is, it is yeah. like so enjoyable to, to watch for the for like a you know large portion of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which, you know, there's something to be said about that, considering how many people get just like slaughtered in this film. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it could be it, somebody could watch it and reduce it to just the violence. And, and a lot of people have, obviously, there's a lot of criticism about his films being, you know, ultra violent. But yeah. it, that's that is just a that is a, an effective stylistic choice. You know, I feel like. Yeah, the violence really uh, kind of sells the back the backstory of the characters and. Oh yeah, I I have yeah, I think sure. the violence is I honestly people's criticism of the violence is, is kind of silly to me for Tarantino movies for most of them because oh, it's yeah. like the, there's if you really d- divide up the movie the violence there's lo- there's a lot less there's a lot more talky elements in this right, movie right. than there are violent elements for the most part yeah. you know what I mean like the the violence happens in like spurts and it's just like you know this movie basically has like fight scenes in the beginning and then the end and that's like the whole middle is just like talking basically yeah, yeah no one wants to break apart a war movie which is just like think about yeah, saving exactly. Private Ryan or some shit it's like yeah. also, the amount like, of violence yeah also with the amount of violence like would it have been as enjoyable if it wasn't kind of like silly like like just spraying blood or just like seeing someone run around after they get their eye ripped out or like you know like the top of fucking uh lucy (laughs) Lucy Lucy. head gets cut off and you see her brain and she's still talking she says that really is that must be a hattori hanzo sword (laughs) yeah it's like or like god like i I feel like I die every time just like seeing Uma Thurman like spanking that guy. Yeah. It's so yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like funny. Yeah, you're laughing just most of the like time. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. So like yeah, it's like violent, but it's like also really fucking silly the way yeah. they kind of portray all of this. And it's for like, you know, uh a, a deeper reason you know like i would agree i feel like watching this uh as an as an older abby i feel like you know i didn't i just really saw all the action you know mm-hmm. like the, the first time i saw this and now i'm like okay like you know like she lost her baby like she's you know she's literally sold her body is sold while she's in a coma to like other people to to rape her while she's in a coma like for four years (laughs) like it's fucked up yeah it is real fucked up she's been robbed of a lot you know like Mm -hmm. so 
Um, you know, I think it's about regaining control and autonomy and, um, yeah. you know, for life. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. There's, there's like a lot more, uh, nuance to it after you s separate the action because that's the th that, you know that's definitely the thing that that uh was was probably the biggest part for me when i was seeing it as a younger person yeah, yeah. it's just all the like you know kinetic shit going on yeah i love that like everyone that flies on these planes too has a sword like i wanted a sword oh the so swords bad. were in, the, in <laughs> also every motorcycle had like a sword like yeah every on motorcycle the back of it. Had a sword. also yeah this movie is an anime let's just get get that out yeah. in front of everything let's just be <laughs> yeah, honest a, with ourselves this movie is an anime <laughs> yeah which is cool i love it I, it's one of the best <laughs> things about the movie yeah um yeah. well Let's talk about some numbers. Yeah. Let's talk about some numbers of Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, Kill Bill Volume 1, it was released uh, on October 10th, 2003. Obviously written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and it's based on The Bride, which was I'm pretty sure brought to Tarantino by Uma Thurman like on, on a set for another thing. Like they were like... Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and I, and I love that it turned into this epic fucking movie. You know, that it, yeah. it really, it is cool how big this movie feels and how globe-trotting it is. Um, yeah. And it stars Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, Vivica A. Fox, Michael Madsen, Daryl Hannah, David Carradine, Sony Chiba, Julie Dreyfus, uh, among other people as well. Uh, music by the RZA, or RZA, you know, that's a fun fact, you know. Mm -hmm. Sorry to step on your yeah, all the original stuff by the RZA. Yeah, love that shit. Um, and it has a runtime of 111 minutes, a budget of 30 million, and a box office of 180 million dollars. Yeah, big hit. Big, big old hit. Um, let's see here. A little bit more about those numbers. Uh, domestically. 70 million internationally 106 million wow yeah so uh huge huge internationally uh also opening weekend uh 22 million uh it had uh, 3000 opening theaters and uh like the exact amount of theaters the entire 5 weeks it was in the theaters which is interesting i don't think i've ever seen that with any other movie we've looked at on this on this website uh, that mm -hmm. gives us these stats, it's always a fluctuation between like opening and max theaters. And for this movie, it's exactly the same: three thousand one hundred and two for the entire five week run. Which is which is that's I don't know that's that seems interesting to me at least as someone yeah, who, yeah. who, who looks at this every week. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm sure there's a ton more numbers, but that's basically all I got for you. All right. Oh, oh, wait. Some... I got I got four more numbers. Okay. Uh, the five, six, seven, eights is the name of the band that plays in the club. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Fit that into the numbers section. Well, um, so I'll get into some fun facts now. 
Tarantino originally intended to cast a Japanese actress to play Oren Ishii, but before casting began, he saw Lucy Liu in Shanghai Noon and immediately changed Oren into a Chinese-Japanese-American so that Liu could play the part. Uh, when Gogo was shooting the scene where she flings her ball and chain out, she accidentally hit Quar- Tarantino in the head as he stood by the camera. Ooh, shit. <laughs> wow. Uh, the bride's <laughs> yellow outfit was inspired by the outfit, outfit worn by Bruce Lee in his final film, Game of Death, in 1978. It's iconic. Nice. Oh, wow. Super you brought iconic. up costume. The tigers, the Onitsuka tigers she wears. She has two pairs of them she wears. She wears the white, red, and blue ones in like the early parts of the movie. And then in when she's got the yellow suit, she's got the yellow and black ones, which I, I love that little detail because I love mm-hmm. those shoes. Yeah, those are sick. Hell yeah. Uh, the shot where the bride splits a baseball in two with a samurai sword was done for real on the set. It was done by Zoe Bell, who's Uma Thurman's stunt double. Also yeah. one of the stars of Death Proof. Yeah. Hell yeah. And which, a... Uh, a long time stunt person in the Tarantino stuff and a lot of other films. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, let's see. So the idea for doing Kill Bill began during the filming of Pulp Fiction when Uma and Tarantino uh, began talking about the kinds of movies that they would like to do. And Tarantino said he would like to do a 70s style Kung Fu flick. And then Uma came up with the film's opening shot of her beaten up and wearing a wedding gown. So in whatever words we already said, uh, came up with the bride character. Yeah. Uma Thurman, Mm -hmm. you know, huge, huge part of this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tarantino owns the pussy wagon and drove it as his everyday vehicle to promote the release of Kill Bill Volume 2. He licensed use of it for the Missy Elliott music video, I'm Really Hot, and it also appears in the video for Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. That is right. I've seen the Telephone video a bajillion times. Like, and I I almost forgot fucking pussy wagons in that. Mm -hmm. Of course he would fucking drive it around, like... (laughs) so gross he's like he's literally like buck to me oh, I know. <laughs> that's gross yeah uh. <clears throat> dude and it's like i was thinking about this too as my uncle took me to see these movies okay and like i remember him like really thinking the buck character was funny and now looking back on it i'm like that's really fucked up that my uncle thought that character was like so funny mm-hmm. yeah. you know Ugh. Yeah, yeah grosses just... me out. Gives me the, the shivers. You know, things you don't know as a kid yeah. that you realize when you're yeah. an adult. Like the list goes on and on and on and on. I know like, for sure. Uh, Christopher Allen Nelson, who worked on the special effects, revealed in an interview that over 450 gallons of fake blood were used in the two oh Kill Bill movies. Oh my god, that's 450 wild. gallons. Shit. Despite uh, Beatrix Kiddo's name being bleeped out in the film, the name of the bride is revealed on her plane ticket in the Okinawa uh, to Okinawa and Tokyo. 
So got him. <laughs> if you were paying attention. Yeah. I wasn't at the time, but yeah. Uh approximately sixty thousand dollars of the movie's budget was used on swords and sword accessories. My God. Let's go. <laughs> All the sword perverts out there love this movie. A lot of dough. Honestly, one of the best parts of the movie is like the her going to meet Hattori Hanzo. Oh, it's so yeah, good. So yeah. cool. oh, God. They're like the dynamic between, you know, they got this like uh odd couple thing going on yeah. with the two guys. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh as Tarantino was leaving Japan after initial location scouting and securing the studios, he heard the all girl band, the five, six, seven, eights playing over the store's speakers. He was so intrigued by the music that he asked the clerk who the band was. And when he was told Tarantino, who didn't have enough time to go to a music shop to get their CD, begged the clerk to sell him uh, their copy. And then he took it home, listened to it, and immediately signed the band to play during the show down at the House of Blue Leaves segment. Uh, and then all the band's songs, including the standout Woohoo, are covers of early 60s surfer songs. Yeah. Also, like that song nice. has been in so many like commercials and shit. Oh, I know. But for sure. <laughs> uh, <sighs> let's see. Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, and Burt Reynolds passed on the on playing Bill. So I can't imagine I mean, anybody else playing yeah, Bill, especially with the karate, like the legacy of like of the show karate kung fu or kung fu karate mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah the show kung fu with david carradine like it just makes so much sense to, for him and, to be yeah T tarantino referencing kung fu in uh pulp fiction yeah yeah as well uh so the music used in kill bill was all from other films and he used it from his soundtrack collection, mm -hmm. so aside from whatever the original music that Rizzo made. Uh, it took six years to write the entire script before being split into two parts. And the original draft was about 220 pages long. Big old script. Big old script. Yeah. The movie started production as a single film. And then uh, it was it was split into two, so he didn't have to cut anything. Mm. according to uma thurman quentin tarantino had her watch three movies in preparation for this film john woo's the killer coffee starring uh, pam greer who was in jackie brown and sergio sergio leone's a fistful of dollars the uh the i feel like how grounded and like contemporary the op like the first fight scene is is like so fucking amazing and kind of probably comes from that um coffee uh influence you know the vivica a fox fight scene yeah. in the house mm -hmm. yeah yeah i just like that's crazy how like crazy bloody and battered and like oh, cut up they get from you all see the glass the bus and everything pull up. oh my god it's so good yeah uh the finale took about eight weeks to shoot and I'm assuming this means the finale, meaning like the the uh, big scene in the. Yeah, yeah. I assume the trunk scene didn't take eight weeks to shoot, you know, or the. Yeah. Or the the car 
the but that or, the uh yeah i was just thinking of the last the, like very last part with the or the the lucy Lou fight yeah no that's definitely what took eight weeks for sure like all like all of that the, all stuff, the whole right? thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. um so yeah this is kind of uh hinting at some of the stuff we've been talking about but stunt woman zoe bell injured her back while working on this film but didn't mention it for fear of being replaced so probably some intensity going on there and uh yeah the idea that you would fear for your job being hurt on the film is kind of sucks yeah yeah that kind of no bueno Mm The infamous long take scene took six hours to rehearse and was shot in 17 takes. After that, Steadicam operator Larry McConkey was rumored to have passed out from exhaustion. <laughs> Fuck. Wow. Uh, and this is the last one I'll do. Uh, the miniatures, uh, the miniature set used to depict Tokyo when the bride arrives in Japan were actually leftovers from the Yokohama set used in the then most recent Godzilla film. Uh, Godzilla, Mothra, and King uh, Ghidorah. Giant monsters all out of tech. So they just like repurpose Godzilla sets, which is kind of fun. Damn, what? That's wild, actually. Which I'm surprised. It's like, don't, they usually, don't those sets usually get like demolished during a Godzilla movie? Yeah. That's what I would have thought. So yeah, that's uh, that's the fun fact. It's one of the my favorite details I noticed this time around was like, oh yeah, that's a bunch of miniatures. Mm. You know, I thought that was really cool. That, of and course, when I was plane. a kid, I didn't like pay attention to that, but like, right, right, uh, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, it's it's cool. It's like it's also cool to see like it out the window. You know what I mean? Of the plane is like when you're inside. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that our fun facts, Michael? Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a billion of them, but uh, I'm yeah, gonna... yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll say times. this one last thing: the the eight weeks it took to film the House of Blue Leaves fight sequence. It's the same amount of time it took Tarantino to film Pulp Fiction, the whole movie. Wow! Wow! Oh, that's actually perspective. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, that does it for fun facts. All right. Thank you for those fun facts, Michael. You're welcome. Mm, 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 mm. They're so tasty. Yum, yum. (laughs) Yum, yum. So fun. So fun. Yum, yum. Abby, you ready to take us to Plot Town? Yeah, I guess we should venture over to Plot Town. Everybody buckle up. Just head on over there and see what's going on. Keep your limbs inside the vehicle as we move to podcast. Keep your limbs <clears throat> firmly inside the podcast. Or Uma Thurman will cut them off with uh, her Hattori Hanzo sword. The best one ever made. The best one ever made. Oh my god, that whole... Oh, it's so good. Ugh. So... In 1999, a pregnant woman in a wedding dress you know, the bride that we talked about lies like very wounded in a chapel in El Paso, Texas. Um, you know, the character we assume bill, you know, he's, you know, 
it seems like in this scene, he's her attacker and she tells him, she's trying to tell him that the baby is his just as he like shoots her in the head. And she uh, is found by, you know, like the the sheriff and his like team of I guess they're police but they all look like fucking cowboys but mm-hmm. you know she the uh, little fun just... fact about that sorry uh just gotta no, put another point. fun fact in there the the sheriff and his son that's his son and that's his actual son in real life Michael Park's son oh, wow. um they are also the sheriff and deputy in uh from Dust till dawn Oh. And then uh, also in Death Proof. Okay, shit. I didn't realize that. And doesn't he like, like his son is just like references like, like a, a kind of like a default name by the, the sheriff. He's like, it, it, he's named just like son number one or something like that. He actually says mm-hmm. it to him. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember exactly. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, that's a, Let's get you back to the plot. Okay. Also, he's extremely rude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, the bride is alive. She spits on the sheriff's face. Um, she goes to a hospital um, where... Uh, Hang on one second. And the story's she, she told goes, out of order too, so it's like we, it's, yeah, it's it's non-linear. We, yeah, we've we've already, you know, like at the point where we see the sheriffs and stuff, we've already seen the fight scene with Vivica A. Fox, and uh, you know, and that's like a crazy. I don't know when the that's going to come up in your recap you have pulled up, but uh, right about now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, I guess I guess the sheriff scene doesn't really happen till later anyway. So like here anyway, okay. Let me just back up. You know, Bill shoots her in the head. Four years later, the bride, after, you know, having survived the attack, goes to the home of Renita Green, planning to kill her. Um, but yeah, both of these women were members of the Deadly Vipers, which were a group of assassins led by Bill. Um, which has since disbanded. Vernita now leads like a normal suburban family life. And, uh, you know, they immediately start fighting like with knives and then they just kind of like fucking destroy the living room. And then all of a sudden a school bus pulls up and they kind of stop what they're doing and hide their knives. And (laughs) Vernita's young daughter shows up kind of interrupts them she's just like coming home from school and her name's nikki and she's just like a little skeptical about what happened vernita is like oh your dog did this (laughs) she's like my dog like it's pretty um, it's so well like that line is so well delivered it's it gets me i think every time yeah it was really really good and so yeah, Nikki I think goes to watch like TV or something, and uh, 
Then Vernita is like, all right, you want to come to the kitchen, get a cup of coffee? So the bride agrees to meet Vernita um, at night to settle the matter. Um, you know, and she's like pouring a cup of coffee and then she gets a box of cereal. Um, and then Vernita tries to shoot the bride with a pistol hidden in a box of cereal, but, uh, like misses and the bride like kicks a coffee cup over towards her and then like throws a knife at Vernita and like hits her in the head. Or sorry, the chest. The chest yeah. hits, hits her in the yeah. chest and kills her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nikki, like the kid, witnessed the killing. Um, and the bride offers her a chance to avenge her mother's death when she grows up. That's what's um, rumored to be Volume Three of Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is like uh, that, and that's also like I mean, I I doubt it's gonna happen, but like. Uh, you know, like it was always rumored that Tarantino was gonna wait for that actor to be like old enough to where she's an adult and wanting to go kill the bride and like then make the volume three. I don't know if that's ever was ever true, but I always remember hearing that rumor. Yeah, I mean, that would be sick. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I've always thought that was a cool idea, and like yeah. it's so neat that it was set up like in so early in this in this yeah. in this film series. I totally agree. It's like seems like foreshadowing that should happen, you yeah. know. Um so yeah, 4 years later, you know, we get these sheriff cops investigating the massacre at the wedding chapel. There's like, you know, they found nine bodies. The bride is alive, but like comatose basically so then we like actually cut to her in the hospital and that one of the deadly viper ladies her name is l driver she's like showing up in this pretty badass outfit um, this is where we get the twisted nerve whistling yeah. right yeah 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 and she's got like an eye patch and she's kind of like strutting down the hall and then uh y'all remember she, people having that that twisted nerve whistling as their uh ringtone yeah yeah i remember I hearing someone so... that has it <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man yeah it's um, so chuggy oh for sure for sure <laughs> um and I, I mentioned before this show i mean is also sampled in Rob Stone's song Chill Bill. Yeah. Um anyways, uh so yeah, like L Driver, she's like, you know, having her little moment, strutting down the hall, whistling this song, and then she like disguises herself as a nurse and gets like, you know, uh some kind of drug to like basically give the bride a lethal injection. Um, and like assassinate her but like she is like in this nurse getup, and like even her eye patch has like the red cross on it which like <laughs> really like got me yeah um i thought it was really good anyways uh she's like preparing to kill the bride you know by injecting this 
this stuff into her like IV and then she like, sticks it in but before she like you know pushes the, the the plunger on the needle or whatever Bill calls and basically like says like abort the mission like kind of at the last moment and yeah and it's on can... some like samurai like honor shit you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's Which, like after everything we've done, she's not dead, so we shouldn't kill her. Yeah, she's like if she wakes up, we'll kill the shit out of her. Yeah, exactly. She's defenseless, and it would be dishonorable to kill her in that state. Like, but like you know, like Michael said, like kill her when she's alive and well. <laughs> Which is so. It's it, to me that that notion seems so absurd for people who are burnt for. Mur- people who are murderers you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's like what honor <laughs> yeah. and it's like that's um, i mean that's like a big thing and like uh a lot of like i said like the samurai thing like there's a lot of that's like definitely a trope yeah and that oh, sort of sure. stuff yeah um so yeah, there's like a hospital worker who brings his buddy in his buddy like pays the like nurse guy to like you know rape her while she's like in a comatose and like just before this i guess she like had woken up from her four-year coma she was like horrified to find out she wasn't pregnant it was the mosquito the mosquito bite wakes her up yeah and it's like that that moment, the close up, like mosquito bit, is a little crin- cringy. This, this but, whole like scene in the hospital, it makes you yeah. so uncomfortable. Like, oh, so there's, yeah. there's so many big elements yikes. that make you uncomfortable. Yeah, big yikes, exactly. Um, yeah, and then so yeah, she, you know, essentially kills this man who intends to rape her while she's unconscious, and. You know, the hospital worker, nurse guy, Buck, he had left and then come back to, like, check on his buddy. Um, And uh, he walks in and finds his buddy, like, just dead on the floor, like, blood everywhere. The bride had, like, bit his lip while he was kind of, like, on top of her. And he just, like, was covered in blood on his torso. So, like, Buck walks in, he's, like, looking, and, like, the bride is, like, behind him on the floor and, like, slashes his heel. Yeah, his, 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 his Achilles. Achilles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that part's super uncomfortable, too. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. There's, like, uh, I just recently finished um, Killing Eve, and there's, like, a, a cut like that. Yeah, that, uh, every time ooh, one of those Achilles really, cuts gets I know. Me. I feel like my Achilles tendon starts hurting when yeah, I see that shit. Definitely. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, and then she, like, he's, like, not totally dead, though. Uh, she puts his head in a doorway, and she's, like, slamming the door on his head, and she's, like, where's Bill? And he's, like, who's Bill? And then she realizes, like, like, she sees his name tag says Buck, and then his knuckles say fuck, and she like suddenly started to remember like the shit he would say to her while she was unconscious and uh she just like you know just 
fully starts slamming his head in the door like back to back to back and kills him and then takes his outfit and his keys and like goes i mean she's like you, you got to remember she's not like been up on her feet yeah her her, her limbs have in entropy okay mm -hmm. in yeah i think that's what it's called yeah um yeah, her, her limbs are not working. She don't know how to use them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she kind of like stumbles down to the parking garage, bare feet, like uh, walks past a truck, this like gaudy, ridiculous ass truck that says pussy wagon on the back. And then she looks at her hand and there's a keychain on the keys. It says pussy wagon. It matches the yep. truck. Yep. So she clicks like the beep beep and it like it's for the for the for this fucking truck and she gets in the back of it and uh is like trying to teach her self how to use her like legs and toes again. And so this is where she's like focusing on her big toe and like trying to move it. And then it's like 13 hours later, she like gets out of the truck, gets in the driver's seat, like takes off. Um, she's got this plan to kill Bill and the other deadly vipers. Um, not in that order, really, like first the deadly vipers and then Bill. Um, and so she picks her, you know, first target. Oren Ishii, who is now the leader of the uh, Tokyo Yakuza. Um, and this is where we kind of like cut into that like animated sequence, I guess. Um, and, you know, basically after witnessing the Yakuza murder of her parents when she was a child, Oren took vengeance on the Yakuza boss and replaced him after training as an as an elite assassin. This is a, one of the things that stuck out to me that I thought was kind of like gross is that when the way the way it's written is that she said like Oren is she says about the Yakuza boss that she kills like luckily he was a pedophile and like that's not yeah. that's not like her saying that that's Quentin Tarantino that wrote that. And it's like, yeah, the the fact that that's how it's phrased, like, luckily, he's a pedophile instead of like it being phrased like. In a negative way or in a way that's not so dismissive. And that's yeah. kind of like I mean, that's kind of like his whole thing is he kind of dismisses like sexual trauma in a lot of ways and, and uses it just, you know, for a, for the thrill yeah, he uses it as like a shtick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I don't love. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's weird. It, it like, is. It's super weird. Um, and that is like, you know, a for sure critique I have for this movie as well. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like animated bit is over. It's just kind of like backstory on Oren. And uh, then um, the bride travels to 
Okinawa, Japan to obtain a sword from the legendary swordsmith Hattori Hanzo, um, who has also like sworn to never forge a sword again because he's like, you know, trying to not make like instruments of death yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, i guess specifically instruments of death um also something i thought was funny is like i feel like we see her multiple times like we see like a close-up of a notebook with like these names in it and there's like for sure like two sequences of that where i'm like her handwriting is completely fucking different and it's like i think it's like at first I was like, God, she's got like horrible handwriting and there's a continuity error. But then I was thinking like, oh no, like she hadn't written anything in four years. And then yeah. when when it shows it the next time, it's like suddenly her handwriting is better. And it's like, okay, like she's like learning how to fucking write mm-hmm. again. Like, also, that's kind of how I thought about that. Uh, when it, when it, in the beginning of the movie, when you get the title card for chapter one uh, and, it, and then there's just like a two underneath it that's circled. This is like chapter one, yeah, and then there's like a yeah. two underneath it. Uh, that's yeah. the two for um, is it the cotton mouth? Is Vivica Fox's character something like that? Yeah. Um, and like it's it, like that's her. She's that's why chapter one is number two because yeah. it, she's second on the list after Ora and Ishii. And yeah, it's, and yeah, it's yeah. out of order, so it's like her fighting. Is, is, is that out of order? Ren- I I think it so it is out of order because like I'm pretty sure like if we like rearranged all these pieces to be linear, I'm pretty sure Ren Ishii is first. Yeah, uh, but it it doesn't show that first. So you know, okay, we see Vernita. So Green that means that first. if that's true, then that means that she. Got out of, j- of of jail, out of the hospital with the pussy wagon, takes the pussy wagon somewhere, stores it, goes to Japan, kills Oranishi, comes back, gets the pussy wagon again, and then goes to Vivica A. Fox. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good point. Like, she why did. does why does she why does she show up to Vivica A. Fox's house in the pussy wagon if that's not the first place she goes after the hospital? Right. So she just like I mean, stored I- the car and like kept it for when she got back from Japan. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I, that's the detail I forgot. I, is that I she yeah. drove the pussy wagon up to Vernita Green's house, and now I'm thinking, like, okay, like these title cards, they're wrong. Yeah, and she doesn't make the list actually until she's on the plane, right? To Japan. Right. Yeah, so you're right. So I guess, like, I mean, I, I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong. That definitely could happen off screen where she just stores the car somewhere but i just find that really I mean, really yeah, weird but it seems really like, weird it's leaving a lot up to the audience's imagination <laughs> like too much in my opinion um i never thought about that, that. that she just like put the pussy wagon in storage for a while yeah <laughs> um i mean i don't know if i stole a fucking car or truck that said pussy wagon on it like that like I don't know. Like if if I were yeah. her, and I knew nobody was gonna come after me because I'd fucking get them. 
Like I fucking drive that shit. Like put it in storage. <laughs> yeah. Like use it again. I don't know. Yeah. Like also, it's like a stolen car. And yeah. she murdered the person, the owner. So like people yeah. would be looking for that car. I don't know. There's a lot of like questions you can yeah. bring up. Also, where'd what she get all the money to like go to Japan and do all this stuff? You know, I thought about that too. I'm like, how did she get? The I mean, money I guess from like, the assassination. Get this motorcycle and this like fucking yellow outfit and fly and just like she probably just has like an offshore bank account with a bunch of money in it from all the assassinations right. she did when she was in the assassination squad. Yeah. But that yeah, seems that doesn't seem believable either because I feel like Bill would controls all that shit and he's actually like you know doesn't actually let anyone in the squad have agency. He's like kind of a, the puppet master, so I doubt he would let them have like their own bank accounts and shit. Literally. She was pregnant yeah. with his child and he killed her. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's a lot um a lot of questions. A lot of questions. You know, there's a lot of open ends. Uh, but, you know, to continue. Um, Hattori Hanzo, right? That's where we're at. Hattori Hanzo. Uh, so, yeah, she meets with him and they're talking about swords. And, you know, she really wants... Um, a sword made by him out of Japanese steel. And, you know, he learns that her target is Bill, his former student. Um, and he relents and crafts his finest sword just for her, um, taking a whole month to finish the job. Um so uh the bride tracks Oren to the House of Blue Leaves, this like Tokyo restaurant, like club type deal. And um right away like amputates the arm of her assistant, Sophie Fatal, um, who we saw. When she got to Tokyo. Also uh, groomed by Bill. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And. So uh, Oren has like a squad of elite fighters called the Crazy 88. And, uh, you know, she also has like a bodyguard and like a schoolgirl named Gogo Yubari and this is like you know the biggest scene in the movie um honestly like there's just so much that happens a lot of action <coughs> a lot of swords a lot of blood a lot of wire a fighting lot of, a lot of yeah a lot, um, a lot of stunt stuff a lot of stunt stuff uh, crazy 88 deaths yeah, literally. And it's a very, very impressive scene. Very, very impressive part of the movie. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like, also like over the top and like wild and 
you know, the, like you, we've mentioned before, the effects are like really kind of crazy and silly. Mm-hmm. Like rip somebody's eyeball out. Like, I don't know. Lots of, lots of people dying, people throwing like axes, um, like the mace know, like, ball thing. Yeah, like the mace ball on a chain. Uh, I guess that happens first. It's like the schoolgirl go-go, like, um, you know, attacks her and kind of like. We have like the solo fight between them two. Yeah. She puts up a good fight against her. Yeah. For sure, yeah. And like with a really unique weapon choice, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah. That character is just like love the the concept for that character is really fully realized and, and really cool. Yeah. And yeah, I would, I would totally agree. And, uh, you know, really goes through a lot of fucking trouble just to get to Oren. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else, what more I can say about this. Scene. Yeah. But the, 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 like kind of the crux of that scene before she gets to Oren, she's standing atop of one of the banisters or like above everybody. And she's like telling them all to leave, like the ones she didn't kill. She's like telling yeah. them all to leave and leave your limbs behind. They belong yeah. to me now. Take your yeah. lives, but leave your limbs. Yeah. Um, and then I'm pretty sure just before this was like the spanking scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah There's yeah, like this yeah. like young guy, like you know, was like this is no what you fucking get for messing around with the yakuza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go home to your mother. Like, yeah, go home to your mother, and he like runs away, is like crying. Like I thought that was holding so his funny. butt. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also, and this her is... sword is just like cutting through other people's oh, swords. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, like, yeah it's fucking sick. Uh, also, this is the Michael. You brought up the one shot scene, like the long uh-huh. one take. This is it happens yeah. at the at this place as well during this part of the movie. Yeah, I also love the shot where she like drops her sword, and then you know there's like a spot in this restaurant where like I guess like. There's some kind of like sand garden or some kind of garden like under the floor and there's Mm -hmm. like this clear top on it. And I'm pretty sure, you know, that is where like she like drops her sword and the camera is like under this like clear floor and we see her kind of like pick it up like on top of like. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's really cool. Um, And... Yeah, and then she finally gets to Oren and she like opens up these like sliding doors and it's just like like nighttime and snowing in this fucking like Japanese mm-hmm. garden. Um, it's just like intense change of scenery so and pace. Yeah. And also we yeah. have like we have a large section near the end of that fight, like the, the group fight scene where it's in black and white and she like blinks. Yeah. She blinks and it comes back into color and mm-hmm. then and then yeah. it's like real dark and the moonlight's hitting from the, 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 like the sliding paper doors. And then, then we get to go out and we see that snowy and it's, it's so it's one of the coolest, like the contrast of that, you know, it's like, you see this place get so messy and, and like dirty and like covered in blood. And then, you know, you go out there and it's just pristine. It's pristine again. Yeah. Yeah. And And she's dirty still. Like she's still got the bloody, you know mess on her from the fight before 
one of my That's favorite one parts thing of this I setting. I kind of like that they. Oh, oh you sorry. Go ahead. Just before we get to this like Japanese garden, I just want to back up real quick. Like I really appreciate how they made this like big, grand, crazy eighty-eight fight scene, black and white, because I just feel like it'd be so fucking bloody. Like otherwise, like I feel like it just kind of made it more digestible. And then yeah. after the black and white, you know, she blinks and it's color again. Uh, someone like flips a switch also and it mm -hmm. makes it kind of this like moody not quite like darkness it's like kind of bluey yeah yeah like, you know and we get like silhouettes of them fighting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the black and, and white thing is kind of for the mbaa rating uh, in a way oh, yeah, really yeah. okay interesting tone down the blood stuff yeah yeah makes sense easy way to do it mm -hmm. um yeah and then, yeah, back to the Japanese garden. What were you going to say, Michael? Well, it's just this, like, water fountain thing that's happening over in the corner that's, like, one of my favorite little details. It's just, like, it fills up this kind of bamboo shoot and it just, like, it just makes yep. this, like, kind of sound when it dunks, when it gets full and dunks down. Yeah. And it's just, created, it's, like, this kind of tension reliever or tension builder or something. It's, like, it does kind of both things because it just kind of, like, does its thing in between their fights and kind of yeah, yeah you're waiting to yeah. see the extent of the damage of like the cut that she just made yeah. on on Orin and so that you just see it fill up and then it tips and then it goes back into it yeah, right. it's really good so yeah. nice little touch there's a name for those things it's like a it's it's like deer something uh huh. but yeah y'all keep going um this is a big scene too uh deer scare it's called a deer scare deer it's a scare. bamboo water fountain it's like meant to like keep deer out of like gardens and shit interesting yeah huh. hmm. um <clears throat> i don't know i feel like deer get used to people i'm sure they get used to that fountain. Like... hey look that's what it's called uh, it's like I, a scarecrow, and then seeing crows like yeah. perched on the scarecrow. <laughs> it's like, you know. You can get that item uh, in Animal Crossing. Oh, that's funny. What, a deer scare? Mm -hmm, the water thing. Yeah. Nice. Um, now my nose is fully clogged, so you get full nasal Abby. All um, right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a big scene, too very less very much less like one-sided like it's you know a pretty like back-to-back kind of it's like a fight. boss fight it's so fucking cool. for sure for sure so there's sure moments where you know the bride is like really not doing so hot and there's you know moments where oren's not doing so hot until the bride kills Oren by slicing off the top of her head. Um, and then, you know, she goes back for Sophie um, and, you know, throws her in the trunk, drives over to this, like, snowy hill and... Uh, 
I think it's it's interesting, like, you know, this scene, the way it's, like, cut. Like, first she, like, takes her out of the trunk and pushes her down the hill, and then she's in the middle of the road in front of a hospital, and all these workers, like, they're, like, shouting for help to, you know, get her into the hospital. Mm -hmm. But then we, like, you know, go back to her getting out of the car and opening the trunk or whatever, and then she's, like, just interrogating Sophie. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, torturing her for information about Bill and the other deadly vipers by basically like threatening. She's like, if you don't give me information, I'm just going to start cutting stuff off. Mm -hmm. and it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut off stock. I'm going to cut stuff off that you're really going to miss. And like wants to keep her alive as a threat. Um, and uh it's really well edited because like you think she's it's also cut together with bill talking to sophie mm -hmm. and, yeah. and and sophie you you when you first start to see it you think that you're like oh shit sophie's gonna sell out the bride you know but then you yeah. find out that the bride's telling sophie to to tell bill everything it's so right. it's oh, so sure. cool yeah for sure and uh in my notes, I, it says the bride leaves her alive as a threat while going to kill Vernita. But then we oh. talked about how. But then we talked about how weird that is. You know, I think the pussy wagon is just her American ride. That's just her car. Like, yeah, it's, she she <laughs> keeps it in her, storage. Yeah, she puts yeah, it in storage. It's her American ride. Um, <laughs> I never thought about so, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, Bill finds Sophie and, you know, they're talking and Sophie's like really apologetic um, for, you know, betraying him and whatever. And then uh, really the last like big moment of the movie is uh, Bill asks Sophie if the bride knows that her daughter is alive. Yeah, that's and the big reveal. That's the big reveal, and that's the end of Kill Bill, Volume One. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish I could whistle. That's it. That's Kill so Bill, Volume good. One. Yeah. All right, let's get into reviews. Who wants to go first? Mm. Bailey. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I love I, this movie is very good. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say this movie is not good because it is as much problems and things I've learned about Tarantino and how complicated that artist consumer relationship is for me at, at this point in my life. It's, I, I cannot sit here and say that this isn't a wonderful film and it oozes so much style and, and, just the I I really appreciate the movie and Tarantino for like opening like my eyes to other movies, basically, you know, I saw yeah. it, like seeing it so young. It's like, oh, this is what movies can be. And then you you're like, oh, shit, this is like then you go look for other things. And like, I can never take that away from it. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, so. I, I do really love the movie. I love Uma Thurman. I love Lucy Liu. I love Vivica A. Fox in this movie. And uh, what's L. 
L driver, the actor, Daryl Hannah. Daryl, she's so fucking incredible. Like the yeah. when it cuts back to her like screaming on the phone, she's so mad about not being able to kill yeah. the bride. Like such a, so good. Um, and all uh also we should also just say the bride's name. It's it's Beatrix Kiddo. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it's not even really that big of a secret you can see people like mouth beatrix you know like in oh for in sure the shots yeah. and, and like i was saying uh, yeah it's revealed on the plane ticket so yeah exactly yeah uh oh yeah i forgot you said that i'm sorry so it's there if you're looking for it, it. it's there if you're looking for it um so yeah i i love this movie and it's always going to mean a lot to me and i think i'm going to give it an 8.5 Right on. Nice. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, love this film. It's so cool. Uma Thurman's amazing. Uh, Vivica A. Fox is awesome. Uh, Lucy Liu is incredible. Like, the cast is so cool. And so, like, just badass. Uh, it's It's got drama and it's got action. It's got uh, it's got more than it should have in terms of story and, and character. Um, and I think it's just ex- extremely well-made. Like the fight choreography is incredible. Cinematography is great. Um, the sword stuff. It's all, it's all really cool. It's the, the, the costume design, the set design. It's like top notch shit. Um, Impressive for $30 million, I would say. Um, yeah. Comparative to, you know, to some other things. But everything, know. everywhere, all at once was 25. I mean, that's like a inflation, you know, it's like 20 years difference almost, but. Yeah, that's probably ballpark around the same. Um, yeah, uh, it delivers in a big way and it isn't driven by special effects and shit. Yeah, no, that's um, really that is really cool. Uh, yeah, I you know I can't I can't really defend the uh, the art or the artists here, but the art is good, mm-hmm. and I got to give it a nine out of ten VHS tapes. Nice. I uh, you know I agree. This movie is like really sick. I mean, I picked it. You know, I I really enjoy the Kill Bill movies, um, you know, particularly this one. And uh, I think the the acting is really good. The story writing is pretty good. Um, You know, it's it's always, you know, entertaining to watch. Um, I guess like my biggest critique lies, you know, in... Yeah, so many like gross dude characters. I'm just like, I don't know, just uh, not not exactly a fan of. Um, however, you know, I like that this movie had you know a bit of anime in it. I liked um, all the sword and you know the big action scene at the end. I. I thought the like snow, like the snowy bit at the end was really, really cool too. Um, it's a really dynamic movie. Um, I will definitely give it that. Um, 
So, you know, y'all, we've all summed it up pretty well. Um, so I, I feel like I want to give this movie an eight out of ten VHS tapes. So it's probably an average of eight and a half. If I had to, I think that's right. If I had to guess, yeah. Eight point five. Yeah. All right, that sounds about right. That feels good. Yeah, that was Kill Bill Volume One. And if you tune in next week, you'll hear Kill Bill Volume Two, where we actually meet Bill finally. Yeah. But you know, Michael, Kill Bill Volume Two next week—that's so far away. It what, is so far away. What, what's up right now? What is up right now? I uh, finished up the the animation project I was working on. Um, okay, hell, hell yeah! And that that came out today. Oh, it's um, out out. Yeah. Hell yeah! Need to see it on Insta. Um, is it on Ruby's page? Uh huh. Yeah, super fun to work on. I love the song. I love the I love the the artwork that she gave me to animate. It was uh, it was very fun to do. It was very challenging, which I, I enjoyed. Kind of uh, needing to figure out exactly how to how to get it to work, how the mechanics should go, and everything. Yeah. Is this just one part of it? Hmm. The part on Instagram. It should be like a minute. It's like a minute long. Oh, I the, see. There's the two cyclist. different posts. Well, there's the cyclist, and then there's there's another one too. She also did a lyric video, which is like three minutes long. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she posted that. No, it looks really good. It came out really nicely. Yeah, it was it was fun to figure out how to get all all of it to work and all of it to move and all of it to to feel right and. uh I I had a I had a really great time working on it. I look forward to doing the next one. I think we're gonna do one for every one of our songs. So, hell yeah! I liked seeing the like work in progress mm-hmm. like photo like where I just saw like one long like stretch yeah. of like so a long. desert landscape. Yeah. I was yeah. like, whoa! I, I didn't keep... realize that's how you were doing it. <laughs> yeah, I had to keep taking parts off the front and adding them to the back as they <laughs> nice. would, as they would come through. So, I, nice. and that just helped me kind of like add variety into the into each yeah. layer yeah yeah for sure yeah that was really a funny way to work <laughs> i liked it hell yeah so yeah we'll do great we'll work, do some more we'll do we've done two and we'll do 10 more so damn it's okay. a lot of paper nice. yeah stacking that paper <laughs> Leia the what's paper. up with y'all laying the paper what's up uh oh. Oh there. Well, Abby, you've been selling a house. Trying to sell a I've house. Been, I've been trying. You know, it's you know, it's there's so many parts to the process. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to go too much into that. Just you know. Yeah. In case my client may be listening, but. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, you know, uh, you win some, you lose some, win some you lose and then some. you keep you keep chugging. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think I think we're just gonna like keep searching. Uh, you know, I'll, I'm gonna do my very very best, help them find a home that you know works. 
if you're in need of a home, perfectly. you can uh, find Abby uh, at on Instagram at Abby the Agent, and uh, she'll help you find a, a home. But you, that's in I your will. budget, and that's in your in uh, with, with your yeah. In, if you're in Tennessee, if you're listening outside Tennessee, then uh, I I could help you find an agent. Outside yeah. of Tennessee, how about there that? You if you need, get some if you referral need stuff agent, going on. I can for sure do that. There you go. There you go. Hit up um, Abby, everybody. Yeah. yeah. If you have questions, if you're just curious, if you have you have you thought have about funny story? <laughs> have you thought about doing real estate streams? Stream on Twitch. You can just for that sure. could be your gimmick. You can just be like the real for estate sure. agent of Twitch and like talk yeah. about selling homes on Twitch. <laughs> Yeah. Or you could like look at listings and like break them down on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that could be sick. Yeah. Hmm. That could be a fun stream. Maybe. 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 Uh, I don't really have anything going on. I mean, what have I been watching? Oh, uh, Kevin Kneff himself. I'm still watching that. I started the second season. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Watched the whole All first right. season. Uh, not as hot on as it as I was last week. Uh, okay. that first episode, the, the, like getting into it is really cool. I don't know if it has enough steam to go as long as it's trying to go, but yeah. you know, I'm still, I'm still into it. I'm, I'm too invested at this point to, to stop watching it. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, back on that triple G train started watching the newest season of guys, grocery games. For my yeah. my garbage TV, uh, he's fix. got triple D and triple G, and triple D, triple G. There's a lot of crossover <laughs> between those two shows too. Abby, uh, oh, he brings on uh, some of the triple D restaurant owners to compete oh. on triple G. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of crossover. Uh, guys, a lot always, of alliteration. A lot of alliteration. Uh, yeah. and a lot, a lot of. Oh my god! Okay, I'll tell this story. This this episode was so weird. Okay, he had Brett. He had <laughs> Brett Michaels on an episode. Oh Christ. my god! The lead singer of Poison. Yeah. And oh, also, if you have ever seen Brett Michaels like on a television show, he's one of the most like awkward fucking people. Like he does not know yeah. how to talk to a camera. And I don't like, know how he got so many seasons of that uh, show. Rock of Love, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's on this, he's on Triple G. Also, Lee Majors is in this episode. Oh my the God. The $6 million man, Lee Majors. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. really weird. And it's very strange. So the episode really starts weird. and he's like, Brett Michaels and Lee Majors are here. And then, like, <laughs> like, like a, uh, two thirds way through the episode, his son, who is kind of like co-hosts the show with him now, Hunter, um, he, it's his birthday, so they kind of like stop the whole show. And Lee Majors has not been on the show since the intro. Okay, we haven't seen uh -huh. him yet. Okay, we're like, we're like thirty, almost thirty minutes into the episode. Oh my god. And Lee Majors brings Hunter's birthday cake out. Okay. And they stop the thing and and they're like, all right, everyone has to eat a slice of Hunter's birthday cake before we continue the game the round. So like the contestants <laughs> had to eat a whole slice of cake before they went back to cooking. And but that's like why Lee Majors was there, just to bring the cake out. So it's like so it makes it's so random. 
and then oh my god and then brett michaels is like happy birthday hunter and brings him over uh a birthday present and it's this big it's obviously like a fr- something framed and hunter opens it and it's like <laughs> like brett michaels is like i took it off the studio wall and it's like a, a framed like platinum record you know of like of like one of his solo albums, not even a Poison album. It's one of his Brett Michaels solo oh albums. Oh my god! And like Hunter is like Ugh. is like in his twenties. Like he's like is like early twenties. I doubt right. he gives a fuck about Brett Michaels. No. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And like, not about Poison. Not about Brett Michaels. And then no. immediately after that, before they judge the final round, guy goes up to Brett Michaels and is like, "Brett Michaels, you're." your management was telling me that the plane's waiting for you and you can't, you you have to leave. You can't finish the episode (laughs) because like apparently, and they said like earlier in the, like, like, like not too long before this, they were talking about how Brett Michaels flew in for the show, but then has to fly immediately back to like to or not back, but to North Carolina to perform a show the same night. It's like, why is Brett Michaels here? Oh and then he's God. like, he gets up and he like leaves, and then Hunter replaces him. And it's like, it was so, it was the weirdest fucking thing. That's so weird. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's so weird. Oh my God. It's like, that just makes, it makes it feel like Brett Michaels just said that. So he seems really like important. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, why would you be on the like, show if you like were going to leave? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Him like giving him his fucking record and then also yeah, like so having to dip in the middle of it. It's yeah. very much like the Brett Michaels show. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think funny. Brett Michaels' bandana he wears gets like a half an inch bigger every year. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like it keeps It'll eventually bigger. just cover his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like he'll daredevil and yeah. just have like a whole thing over his head. Yeah, That's so funny. Uh, so I've been watching. I just watched the whole first season of uh, A League of Their Own. I've never heard really- of that. I've been wanting uh, to watch it. It's based on the film, um, or it's like a television version of it. Uh, there's a film about the uh, the pro women's baseball league uh, during World War II, and the original movies are like Tom Hanks and Gina Davis and Rosie O'Donnell and stuff. But so this TV show is Abby uh, Johnson from uh, Broad City. Uh, Broad City. Oh hell yeah! yeah. Abby, I don't think her name's Abby. Jacobson. Johnson. Jacobson. I think, I think that's my name. <laughs> I think that's my, it's that's really my name. <laughs> thinking, of, thinking of your name. Abby Jacobson uh, from Broad oh, City. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, and uh, it's it's really, it's well, it's well done. Yeah. Nice. It's Hell like yeah. charming and funny and dramatic and like really handles the the subject matter of the time really well and it's very queer and very mm. like um just very very well done show so i've heard I really good things it. about it yeah that i mean on, you sold me on that yeah. I'll, I'll definitely check that out it's on prime okay yep i um speaking of broad city i have been watching a show that really like hits the same vein i think is broad city different people um but it's like animated also it's like i don't remember if it's adult swim or mtv or what 
Um, this show, Tuca and Birdie, if I brought it up before. Tiffany Haddish and... Uh, yeah, and Ali Wong. Ali Wong, yeah. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So I, like, a while ago I watched season one on Hulu. And that was all that was on Hulu. And I was like, damn, I wish there was more of this show. And then literally yesterday I realized there were, like, two more seasons on HBO Max. I'm like, yeah. why is it why has it gotta be split up like this? But it's just like how it goes sometimes with a lot of shows. With licensing, but, uh, yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like funny and like weird. Have you seen it before? I've never seen it, no. It's like I've seen that title come up, but I've never watched it. Yeah. Like Tuca and Birdie are birds. Tuca's like a toucan and Birdie's like, I don't know, some kind of like speckled like robin or something i don't know mm-hmm. what kind of bird she is and uh they i feel like they live in like a new york city equivalent but it's like essentially like uh it's like there's birds there's also like plants that like are people and like <laughs> live in an apartment and pay rent and work and everything like there's like cacti there's like dogs and what I think is, like, really funny is, like, uh, they have, like, a neighbor who's, like, a plant, and her name's, like, Draca. She has, like, all these, like, pet pet turtles that are, like, actually tiny. It's, like, the turtles are not people, but, like, the birds are, and the, and the plants are, and it's just, like, That's funny. it's, That's really like, good. really silly. And I would say, like, Tuca, played by Tiffany Haddish, certainly has, like, an Alana Wexler vibe. Yeah. And Birdie... Uh, played by Ali Wong, certainly has like an Abby Jacobson like vibe. Cool. And they're just like best friends, and it's like it's like really fun. And I think like um, you know, as I've really gotten into season two, and I think back on season one, I think it like has like some like really interesting ways of kind of like unpacking like emotional trauma. Um, but like also like at the same time, like making the storyline like really fun and like digestible and just like wacky, you know, nice. I think it's like, it's, it's really fun and like definitely like, uh, you know, like similar uh, adult humor that you know you'd find in like broad city or something like that like hell yeah i'm gonna check that out i'm I'm putting it on the list i love when cartoons can be funny and deep and serious at the same time yeah oh yeah for sure i feel like for me lately it's been like dating reality shows or cartoon adult comedies nice (laughs) is that what you were you're binging a bunch of that while you've been you've been sick yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel some you. Some Love Island, mm-hmm. some Tuca and Birdie. Mm-hmm. Did y'all straight sleeping? Did y'all watch <laughs> F Boy Island the season two? Did we talk no. about yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if that we did. It's good. I, I like. I like how it ended. I, I I love how it was like almost a con, like little like like a sequel to the first season. Like it, it you, yeah. Like if you you need to almost watch the first season to really get the most out of the second season you know because it's, yeah. it's such a continuation of what happened 
I love that. Like, I, I don't. I guess I shouldn't spoil. No, it. No, no, no. We can't. Yeah, we can't spoil it. We point. can't spoil it. It's like, uh, it's. I don't know. I liked the ending of the first season, and I liked the ending of the second season. Yeah, is all I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. And they're not the same. <laughs> it's worth going back to i think nikki glazier does a really good job with that show i like that she's involved in the creative side of it and not just a host mm-hmm. i think it's really smart yeah. to have a, a a comedian like be involved in the writing process of shows like that that's i think that's what makes it more watchable and and, and interesting yeah. than other reality dating shows yeah i agree but yeah i mean that's that's been what that's what's up y'all yeah that's what's been uh, watching. episode 47 go start go watch that stuff and while you're uh over there on your phone or on your ipad or computer or whatever go check out your nokia yeah your blackberry your motorola razor razor uh, yeah your iphone palm, go. palm pilot <laughs> uh head over to instagram and check out ampm.video and go at go team video and you'll see some stuff from us there and uh while you're at it go check out at gubs music that's mike govins who does the intro outro music for our show and at shot from the pit that's jorge sierra who does the photography for our show uh you can watch this stream on twitch.tv slash ampm video mm-hmm and then if you search for AMPM video on YouTube, you'll find uh, archives of the of the video podcast as well as on Spotify. You can now watch the video version on there and you can listen to it as an audio podcast uh, everywhere that podcasts are put up. Um, yeah, so tune in next week. We know they are going to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. And then, uh, yeah, let's hear some suggestions for maybe what what horror film we would watch during the month of October. We're just going to do a little marathon of horror films. Oops, oops, all Freddy's. We just do Friday the 13th. Mm, That sounds kind of bad. I know, it does. I know, I'm joking. joking. (laughs) And we don't even pick, like, uh, sequential ones. Oh, I said Freddy's. I meant Jason, sorry. Oh, well, either way. Either I way. just thought it'd be funny. There's so many we could do, like, Freddy 3 and Freddy 6 and Freddy, <laughs> like, versus Jason and just have, like, Freddy a versus, cross-section. Freddy versus Jason is... That's a that's a movie right there. Oh, yeah. Freddy X. Yeah, sorry. Freddy cross or Jason. Jason X. Yeah. And then Jason, Jason X. X is the space Jason. Space one. Space Jason. Where right. he's... Uh, they put him in the hollow deck from Star Trek and he thinks he's beaten up right campers right. but he's really not oh god and then uh there's uh there's jason goes to hell mm-hmm. and it's when we're people are just going around like eating jason's heart and throwing it up and becoming jason <laughs> and like and it's really weird oh uh, yeah there's but, that um, hospital part of that one too yeah all right y'all this has the been uh what's that the list goes on. The list goes on, yes. It's going to so be yeah, an makes... interesting couple weeks for me because uh not a big horror, horror fan. so It's not my favorite genre. Uh, I have enjoyed some campy horror stuff, some different horror movies in the past. But yeah, it's not my yeah. go-to. So we'll see. 
see how it goes. I feel like I feel like this past year I've seen some really good ones. So I'm gonna try to make a list. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Look Thanks for listening, y'all. Alrighty. Catch y'all next Bye. week. Bye. Bye. Oh, I am the announcement test. I don't know what it's supposed to say. I'm not really that concerned with it, so. I'm going to get this. Just disregard it. Okay, hang on.